It's time for episode 296 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that talks almost as much as it ticks. I am your co-host, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my co-host, Dan Morin. Did you get it, Dan? Talks instead of talks. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little traumatized, I have to imagine, and I, don't, I won't go into it because we don't have that much time, but that's because I found a tick on my leg last night. So. <gasps> no, 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 no. Yeah, so uh, thanks for the flashbacks. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. That is genuine. When someone says, like, what's your greatest fear? Ticks are... Ugh, I hate ticks it's, so much. It was very creepy. That was the first time that's ever happened. Super creepy. Ooh, ticks are the worst. Ugh. <laughs> but uh, what's not the worst are our awesome guests. I'm very excited to welcome back the co-host of Automators right here on Relay FM, writer of an OmniFocus book, and the very cool Rosemary Orchard. Hello, Rose. Hello, teacher, teacher. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. And yes, I do answer to teacher, teacher for the listeners who missed out on pre-show. And to my left, left, it is a producer and a host at Twit. It is Megan Maroney. Welcome back, Megan. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I'm almost over the discussion of ticks, but I might take a minute. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry, but at least you can all console yourself with the fact that it wasn't you. We've got some great topics today and our great guests. And, you know, we've only got 30 minutes, so we can't talk about ticks, but let's talk about dark mode. Dark mode is pretty much defo coming to iOS. Uh, I'm curious, what's the first 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 party or third party app that you are looking forward to seeing in dark mode? Rose, we'll start with you. Well, a lot of the apps that I use day to day already have dark mode because they are third party applications. And they figured out years ago that if you look at the brightness of your screen, that you can figure out that maybe people don't want their retinas burned. Um, so I want to see Safari. And specifically, I want that feature that it does on the desktop where it can tell the website that you're in dark mode as well, so that the websites that support it can then be in dark mode. So then I can read things like Mech Stories in dark mode without having to manually tap that button because it's so much work. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, there's a lot of good options. I think Calendar is one of my top ones. I like Calendar in dark mode on the Mac just because I enjoy all the, the colors and against the dark background. So that, that always makes me feel a little bit more evil about my calendar. I'll go with evil about my calendar. Um, but yeah, the uh, the other one I would throw out there just because, uh, and I did see some of the screenshots that were uh, purportedly of this iOS dark mode included music. Uh, and I think music is another one that I would like to see because it's very glaring white right now. Like there's a lot of bright interface in that. And I think it could use to be uh, uh, tamped down a little bit. Music was my, uh, also my, uh, my request because I feel like, it's, you know, it makes me feel like I'm up in the club while I'm listening to my <laughs> Apple Music when in actuality I'm in my pajamas and probably folding laundry. But um, yeah, so I think music, although I don't under really understand the craze of dark mode, I get that it's better for my eyes. Uh, so I think, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to try everything. I'm going to everything dark mode, especially music. 
I would also like to see the home app go dark. I'm in the home app uh, frequently and a lot at night when I'm, you know, during the day, it's easy to go around and flip switches. But at night, you know, you're in bed and you don't want to have to climb out of bed like an animal. You open up the home app and suddenly it's blasting, like you said, your retinas with that bright white uh, light. And it's not fun. So I am looking forward to seeing that go dark. So thank you all for your answers on that. Let's go to our next topic, which comes from Rose. Well, last time I was on Clockwise, we talked about rumors and the fact that there might be a new iPod Touch. Last time, there was no iPod Touch, but yesterday we got one. And so I was wondering, are you actually excited about this new iPod Touch? Who do you think it's for? Are you going to get one yourself? And is it good that we've got it back, for want of a better word? Because it never really went away, but it definitely hasn't been updated in quite some time. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm particularly excited. I've never owned an iPod Touch, and I don't think I'm probably about to start now, um, mainly because I you know, have always had an iPhone, and for me, the iPod Touch has seemed redundant mostly to that. I think it's probably smart for Apple to have it positioned in its lineup. It does make sense in term of in terms of not only, you know, a lot of people talk about it as a device to give to kids, um, though I also know lots of people who go sort of the iPad route there, especially this, since the iPad mini has been recently revamped as well. Um, I hear a lot of stories about it getting used in like um, in work settings, like point of sale or um, warehouse inventory management, right? Um, I know one person who will be glad uh, about this is one of my cousins is a elementary school librarian. And she used to distribute iPod touches to her kids for um, for making projects like video projects or multimedia projects or stuff like that because they were fairly affordable. They didn't need to be super high powered. Um, and, you know, they were easy like to for the kids to work with. So I think there are a lot of options uh, and it's good that they're back in the lineup, but it's never going to be the big seller that the iPhone is. It's kind of just there to stake out that that price point and that uh, that little niche market, I think. Yeah, I asked the same question on iOS Today yesterday and on Twitter, and I did get some answers. But the answer that I'm n- not happy is the one with is the one that people mostly say. It's, oh, well, you'll get it for kids because you don't want to get your kids a phone yet, um, which doesn't make any sense. I have three teenagers. And so back when they were, you know, a lot of their friends got iPod touches when they were, you know, 11 or 12 or 13 um, before they got phones. But now all those ages of kids are getting phones. And what I would like to see more of is the reuse of devices. So instead of saying like, oh, I'm going to buy this, um, you know, this this brand new device that, you know, has all brand new materials in it, I'd like to see, well, why don't you just use a hand-me-down iPhone? And I said that on Twitter and a lot of people said, a lot of people don't have access to, to hand-me-down iPhones. But I mean, there's places like, you know, where you can buy them, Gazelle, places like that. Um, and it made me ponder the fact that now every time you upgrade with Apple, they're always asking you to turn in your old device, which seems... I guess it can be good if the device were just otherwise staying in someone's drawer, but I like the idea of being able to continue to use uh, a phone once, you know, you were upgrading. So I don't, I, I also, I guess people have been using it, one, they'll be using it for testing too, but 
I'm a little confounded by this device and I'm excited to hear more stories like yours, Dan, that like a librarian would be handing them out to kids. I love that idea. Yeah, I'm kind of with Megan on this. Um, I don't have a place for it. And most of the folks that I know that sort of aren't, you know, paying attention to tech day today don't have a place for it really. Um, but I guess I, I can remember when I first went to college, um, for some reason, they suggested an iPod Touch for... I, I honestly do not remember what it was at the time, but there was some reason that they suggested an iPod Touch, and I used it for a little while, and then I, you know, kind of... Fell out of use of it as the iPhone continued to be my main device. Um, and now it is fully and completely with the large screen and everything. Um, but I'm sure that, yeah, there are folks out there who are connected to Wi Fi enough, or like you said, it makes sense, I think, in schools where, uh, you've got, you know, kids around a router essentially and are able to use this device to uh, take video and, and create little projects and things like that. And certainly point of sale is interesting, but I don't know on the consumer side, it will be interesting to see how this gets used. Rose, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I have to say I very much agree with all of you. Uh, the the thing that the idea that inspired this topic was actually Christina Warren posting on Twitter that if there was an eSIM iPod Touch, uh, she would totally have one as a travel phone. And I actually really like that idea. But at the same time, I already have a dual SIM iPhone that I purchased from Hong Kong, so I would have two SIM cards in it. Um, so I, I can work my way around that. Uh, it's one of these things. I, I do think that a lot of people go, oh, yeah, you could buy it for kids instead of an iPhone. Um, and I had one instead of an iPhone for a while, the very first iPod Touch. Um, and I had some cheap touchscreen thing that wasn't even running uh, Android at the time and was absolutely terrible. Um, and then I decided that actually I should just not use two devices and get an iPhone because it's better. But I do have one friend who uses uh, an iPod Touch all the time. He doesn't own an iPhone, he doesn't own a phone, uh, and he just has one of these uh, data routers that he takes everywhere and his iPod is connected to that. Hmm. Uh, all right, folks. Well, we have reached halftime and I'm excited to tell you about our pals at Apollo who have brought you this episode of Clockwise. Apollo is a third-party iOS app for Reddit, the discussion website frequently called the front page of the internet. The Apollo app is made by one indie developer who was a former Apple employee, and they spent years making a Reddit app that felt perfectly at home on iOS. Apollo makes browsing Reddit easy with a beautifully smooth experience, plus customizable gestures, fast-loading pages, a supercharged media viewer experience, a jump bar for quickly jumping between subreddits, a powerful full markdown editor, and so much more. More. Apollo is already used and loved by people all over the internet. Mac rumors, Mac stories, iMore, and many, many more have all praised Apollo. In fact, John Gruber of Daring Fireball has said, You're nuts if you don't try Apollo. I have actually been using Apollo for 
quite some time now, even before they were ever a, a sponsor of the show. Uh, I had, I, I found Apollo somehow and, uh, it's <laughs> whenever in the rare occasions that I'm on Reddit, this is the app that I use because it makes it simple, easy to use. And it also doesn't blast your retinas with bright light. If you so choose, it's really truly great. So you can download Apollo right now for free. If you go to apolloapp.io slash clockwise, that's A-P-O-L-L-O-A-P-P dot I-O slash clockwise. It's free, but if you want to upgrade to the pro version, it's only a few bucks, which I think is something that I did. Once again, that's apolloapp.io slash clockwise. Go there now, download it for free, lose yourself in a few interesting subreddits, and get a smoother, more powerful, more enjoyable browsing experience. Our thanks to Apollo for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. All right, Dan, what have you got for us? All right, so this morning, Apple uh, put out a page on its site talking about the glories of the App Store and how absolutely the App Store is not in any way anti-competitive. Look at all these apps that compete with Apple's own apps. Obviously, this is a bit of a response to some uh, controversy that's come up recently about Apple's domination of the market, including a Supreme Court case uh, that gave uh, basically a path for people to sue Apple, um, some stuff from the EU, Spotify getting involved. So my question for you is, uh, are you convinced by Apple's arguments on its page? Do you think the App Store is sort of ripe for a, a anti-competitive shakedown? Or um, is this all just sort of a not that like tempest in a teapot situation megan Ooh, ah, this is a tough <laughs> one um i got in a big argument with uh leo laporte my co-host on uh, ios today uh last week and basically um he told me that if i don't like the app store policies then i should get an android phone <gasps> <laughs> so, uh and you know we, he was playing devil's advocate a little bit um and it was you know it was, it was a friendly argument but I don't have a solution to the problem of all of the good things that the App Store does, like, you know, keep us secure and they have standards. And I think they generally do go to do a good job at what they do, but it is getting so big and I just don't understand how it could possibly be manageable. And, um, you know, there are stories on both sides, like the, the one story about the parental control uh, app that they kicked out and everyone said, well, they're kicking that out because they have the screen time app and they don't want to compete with that. But I tried those apps and they are not good. Like screen time is definitely a better app. And I don't think that they were sitting there waking up in the morning, the app store saying like, what can we kick out of the app store that we have now? I just don't, I, I think, um, that that's not the way that they operate, but it is difficult. And I, it makes me very uncomfortable that there's this board of standards, um, of what can stay in and what can, uh, not stay in the app. And, and we don't know who those people are that make those choices necessarily. And I mean, this, this page is a very good explainer. Um, so far it's really the, you know, the only explainer they have about what's gone on in the app store, but it still makes me, uh, a little bit nervous that they get to decide like what, you know, what apps with guns in them go in there? What apps, you know, with, um, you know, when is it okay and when is it not okay um, to use like a swastika? Like th those kinds of choices are being made by some body and we don't really know who those people are. Consistency is sometimes criticized uh, for 
you know, different apps get different sorts of rulings and you can kind of throw what you, th- what has for the longest time been accepted into uh, the app store and then get a rejection suddenly because maybe a different person looked at it and found something that they feel goes against the the rules that they have. And so, yeah, that sort of um, inability to find a consistent experience and be able to trust that what you're creating works uh, and is, is accepted does cause a bit of an issue. And particularly when it comes to some of the rules that Apple itself will break um, and in promoting its own apps or promoting its own new services and things like that, and then not allowing third parties to do those same things, it gets a little bit uh, shady. It gets a little bit dark mode. Um, and so because of that, I, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's entirely anti-competitive. You know, I'm not ready to put that stamp on it, but I do think that there's work to be done and that, uh, we can't just, you know, say, Oh, the, none of these criticisms, um, are worthy or worthwhile or, or have kind of, um, a pedestal to stand on because I think a lot of the criticisms do. Rose, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are this is a very complicated topic, um, <laughs> which is not really a surprise. Um, I, I, the, may, the way that I've really been looking at this, I've been looking at iOS versus macOS. You know, w- what is the difference between the two? And of course, on macOS, you can install applications from outside the Mac App Store. Um, and also the other thing, and I think this is actually the big one, is being able to set default applications. Um, so you set your default browser, you set your default mail client, your default calendar. Um, and I th- honestly think if uh, this gets added, then a lot of the uh, anti-competitive uh, arguments perhaps will go away because the biggest problem is, is I can install Spark or AirMail or whatever mail client I want. But if I tap on an email address, it's going to open mail. Um, and for most people, I, I think that that's what they really see as anti-competitive. And of course, there, there are, as you pointed out, all of you, there are problems with app review and things like that. You know, something that gets reviewed today may get rejected tomorrow or vice versa. Um, and just because it ends up on a different person's desk and that person's had the right amount of caffeine and chocolate for breakfast, um, or they haven't had any chocolate for breakfast, so they're in a horrible mood. And I, I do think that that is a bit of a problem that Apple are facing. But at the same time, from what I've heard from various developers, you know, when they've reached out to app review, um, sometimes they have weird issues, uh, but most of the time they've been getting good feedback uh, from the app store and everybody there trying to sort these things out. Um, and they've been working on getting those conflicting guidelines gone as well. Cause there have been some cases where guidelines have said, do this. And then the rules have said, do not do this at all. And of course, then there's Apple also breaking their own rules using notifications to advertise Apple music, for example, which I think they need to have a look at themselves and go, why are we breaking our own rules? Either everybody can break them or nobody can break them. And I think that's a line they have to draw for themselves. Yeah, as you've all pointed out, this is a very complex issue. Uh, and I think that there's one thing that we can agree on. It's, as Rose said, we shall have chocolate for breakfast. And that will solve all our problems. Um, I think 
Yeah, there there are both a good size and bad sides to this, and there always have been. The App Store, I think it's undeniable that the App Store review process has gotten better than it used to be. Um, it's still far from perfect, but it has made a trend, I think, in the in, in terms of improvement. I think that the App Store model in terms of what it does for keeping, say, malware off the platform and um, enforcing a certain degree of tone, like it's their store and ultimately they can decide what to carry in it. And if you want to go to another store and shop there, that is an option. You can get an Android phone. Uh, that said, you know, it does mean that they can't be necessarily totally capricious or whimsical about the way they enforce that rules is to the point uh, that Rose just made. They need to adhere to them themselves uh, and not give themselves a leg up. And I think that's one place where uh, you brought up default apps again. And that, that is a huge part of that. I don't think it's the only part, but I think it would definitely go a long way to assuage the concerns. I think the other issue is this idea of the 30% cut um, and the sometimes bizarre and Byzantine rules as to why certain things, um, you know, get fall under that and certain things don't. Uh, physical goods, for example, you can buy without any sort of cut. Um, and, and Apple's page lays out all these different things, but it actually ends up making it look more complicated instead of less complicated. Um, so I, I think that's something it needs to address. And I think part of that might be lowering that uh, that cut eventually, because it seemed like in the early days of the App Store, 30% was not unreasonable in terms of how they were getting things up and running and and basically providing this marketplace. But I feel like over time, even though... You could argue the volume of apps has increased. You could also argue they're a lot better at running the store than they were then, and maybe they don't need the 30%. Then again, telling a company that they don't need profit is probably not an argument that's going to hold a lot of water. Anyways, we could debate this topic endlessly, but uh, we do not have time. Thank you all so much for your perspectives on that one. And let's go to our last topic, which comes from Megan. So I saw this article uh, by Martin Bryant uh, in the Next Web. It was basically talking about how it's been a decade since Google Wave. Um, I don't know if you remember that product, but it was just this random thing that no one really understood. And uh, then it quickly went away um, as almost as quickly as it came like a wave. And uh, the but the piece was really about how our blind enthusiasm for tech is gone. That every time we see something uh, amazing or maybe innovative, the first thing we do is, you know, question how it's going to add to the robot apocalypse or uh, something like that. So I wondered um, what you all thought. Uh, do, do you miss those days of just uh, never questioning a new technology and just being super excited about it? <sighs> I think it's irresponsible to do that. I definitely understand that, you know, that that argument or that observation. And there are times when um, something new comes out. And I think uh, an example of that would have been, oh, golly, uh, it was the when everybody was kind of taking photos of themselves as, uh, you know, how they are now. And then it was some app that like, changed your face so that you looked older and made you look younger. And then uh, folks were saying, well, now those are out there and there's going to be an algorithm that's going to determine how old you are. And so then they'll always be able to track you. I do think it's important that those considerations are being made and that we're being more aware of it because for too long, we've not thought about those things except for very particular people and and it's good that we are becoming more uh technology literate and and all of what that encompasses is important and so the fact that you know 
folks are thinking of that and folks are reading about that and folks are considering that as important. Um, it's fun to have fun and be excited about new things. And I find that I am still able to get excited about new things. Um, but then to later have those things I'm excited about, um, sort of critiqued and, and discussed, I find it's an important skill that I think people need to learn and that we can all be more aware of how these devices can be used uh, negatively to sort of, you know, scoop up more data about us or, or what have you. So, Yes, we're too cynical, but I think that's a good thing. Rose, what are your thoughts? Mm, well, I, I have to agree uh, that specifically there are some people uh, out there, and I'm, I'm not going to name names because it varies. Uh, for every new product that comes out, there will be people who just, just seem to take a mindset that this is a bad thing. And they break it down and they go from why it's a bad thing to why it's a really bad thing to why it's a terribly bad thing. Um, and I have to say, like, you know, sometimes you just have to look at it and just look for the positives to start with. Because if we look at everything in life negatively, we're going to have a horrible time of it. There'll be plenty of things that come out of WWDC next week where people criticize it and say, well, why didn't we have this years ago? You know, or this is pathetic or something. But there's so much good that comes with this as well, because... I mean, as you said, we we now have an increased awareness of how these things can be used. My grandmother called me the other day because she clicked on a link in an email and it took her to a website that looked very dodgy. As it is, she's only got an iPad, so she didn't get a virus. She's absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, she's, she's aware of that. And if somebody like my grandmother can be aware of this, then maybe we should take a step back and think, okay, well, if we've managed to educate, you know, people over the age of 80 and kids are finally figuring this stuff out, then maybe we should go back to looking at the positives. But remember that, of course, there are, there are negatives to these things as well. These apps that show you how you might look in 10 years and then the one the next day that comes around and says, so what did you look like 10, day, 10 years ago? You know, what is this being used for? It's, it's probably worth having a, a healthy amount of skepticism with certain things. But look at the positives, not the negatives first. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's even so much about just the positive and the negatives, just about as it is about burnout, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a, such a huge road of apps that, and technologies and services that have been coming out in this era because we are just in this period of intense uh, and and just huge volumes of innovation and new ideas that are enabled by all this technology we have. And it's understandable that we'd all get a little blasé about it, I think, after a while, if not actively sort of burned out, especially for those of us who covered tech. Like, you know, it's hard not to be like, oh, another service that does X, you know, great, <laughs> whatever. It's been done before, right? Uh, and I think that's not surprising because we are just, we have been so inundated. And I think, you know, you look at other other technologies and other things that have been these huge waves and after a while they start to get just a little bit you know i think about cars for example like yes there's certainly innovation left in less left in the car market but there's a lot more of people being like it's a car you know <laughs> that's fine but i'm not gonna like get super excited about it um i think that there's just there's so many of the the needs 
uh, have been filled. Like when I think about apps and like, oh, I should go check out some new apps and stuff. I think about like, what do I need in my life? Like, what are my apps and my technologies not accomplishing for me that I need to go and search out and find other things? And the answer is not that much currently. Um, that's just, you know, I feel like there is kind of an app for every need. And so I do feel less excited about things that come out. And I miss that a little bit, but I don't think it's, you know, there's a, a switch to flip. And to go back to those those heady days of wild innovation and everything was cool and awesome all the time. Uh, so, yeah, uh, although I will admit that because I saw this article started with, um, you know, talking about Google Wave about 10 years ago. My fiance insists that Google Wave was still the best thing ever and she is really sad about it. Oh, my. <laughs> Uh, I guess just one last thought on that is that I, I worry that we worry about the wrong things, um, that, you know, we go so far to like, you know, robots are taking all of our jobs, um, and we don't necessarily worry about the things that are more concerning. And just an example of that quickly is Micah's, that, um, that app that would make you look older. The first thing I thought about that was that app or one of those apps also made you look whiter. And that was like the issue with it that was more concerning to me. It was like, here's this, you know, the, the beauty filter or whatever mm-hmm. whitened everyone. And so like, I think sometimes we ignore the things that are more concerning for this like dystopian future that may or may not arrive. Wow. I think that's uh really well put and really well observed. Um, Folks, we are just about at the end of this episode, but we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. My question for all of you, if you were a kitchen utensil, which would you be? Rose, we'll start with you. A frying pan, because then I would have got to go around uh, Tangled with Mandy Moore, which would have just been awesome. So there we go. Um, I'm going to go with the, the old trusty, the wooden spoon. It's versatile. It does a lot of different things, but you don't, you don't think about it that much, but it's there chugging away in the background. It's always ready for you. Just, you know, underappreciated. Spork. <laughs> I like Someone it. was going to say it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, egg separator. Um, <laughs> it's kind of one of those oddball deals, but, when you use it, it makes you happy because it's one of the easiest ways to separate the yolk from the rest of it. So egg separator. Um, <laughs> thank you all for your answers on that, folks. We have now reached the end of an episode, another episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests, Rosemary Orchard, teacher, teacher. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun as always. And Megan Maroney, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm always available. (laughs) (laughs) Like a spork. (laughs) Dan, uh, like a wooden spoon, it's time to stir up the end of this episode. Yeah, I'll go with that. That sounds great. Until next time, where we tell you all what uh, kitchen utensils you are, we (laughs) remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.